grace is something that must be protected by truth, right? It, it, grace without truth no longer is grace because you can't grasp it, understand it, or experience it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicating to helping you learn to grow and think for yourself in your mm-hmm. spiritual walk. We are here to help guide you, to help challenge you, but ultimately you are the one that has to do the work and you're the one that has to decide what you believe and why you believe it. So my name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, welcome everybody. I'm so glad you're listening today and that you're joining with us. We've got a lot of really uh, uh, interesting things to study today because what we're going to do is we are going to focus on what the Bible teaches about women and their relationships. Wow. This is uh, waters where few go to tread. I yes, say. I yes. Mean, we're we're going out into the deep end of the pool. We're we're taking our ship into the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. We don't know if we're coming back. Um, I'd like it to be known that anything Pastor Doug says that you ladies don't agree with, I also don't agree with. But <laughs> you're hedging still, your bets. I still have to date at some point, Pastor Doug. So uh, yeah, you don't want to undermine the potential I'm of your kidding. dating. I, I I'm am, kidding. I, I believe would. in you, Pastor Doug. I know that you're going to do the ladies right, and they. Yes, we are. It's going to be exciting today. You know, I'm going to venture forth into the unknown. The great white north where angels fear to tread. And we are going to hopefully diagnose women in order to help them discover how to be more happy, how to be more fulfilled in their relationships, how to be more at peace in life. And so we're going to start with the scriptures and what they teach about the nature of women. And then on Thursday, we're going to dig into what what society is telling women messaging women and exemplifying for women that is complicating their happiness or potential happiness their fulfillment their meaning in life their pursuit of joy and all of these things so it's going to be interesting so i think what we ought to do interesting is definitely a word yeah it's definitely (laughs) a word so well i just want everybody to know ladies i am not uh delving into this uh with my own opinion i'm just going to share with you what the scriptures teach and you make up your own mind i hope though to say some things that the world is unwilling to say and in the process your self-discovery goes up and not down and our text that we've been working from is Ephesians chapter four, verses one through five, that says, be diligent to preserve the bond of unity, Mm. you know, live up to the worthy, to the calling to which you have been called. So ladies, you've been called to a great calling, a higher calling, a wonderful calling. I want you to be able to be diligent to discover and live in that. And then in verses 17 through 32 of Ephesians chapter four, he talks about how we must put off the old self and then we need to adopt a new attitude of the mind. And then he lists seven practical steps in which we can do this. So I think we need to start with the first practical step where it says each one of you put aside falsehood and speak truthfully to one another. So we need to speak truth to one another and let's discover what the Bible actually teaches the, the concept of the nature of women, because the nature of men and the nature of women are different. What? Right? Yeah. 
One is male, one is female. Was this revealed to you in a vision? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, it's what the Bible teaches. So I think it's really, really important to understand uh, the notion of the nature of women is that first and foremost, you are created in the image of God. All right? So you are created with a soul that is driven by desires that reflect the image of God. So that's really important to understand. Uh, the desires to be uh, loved and to love others, to be affirmed, to be uh, fulfilled, to be valued, to be secure, and to be protected and cared for. These are values or desires of your soul. And it's interesting because males have desires. They're a little bit different. They're more of the masculine side. And I think it's really important to understand is like grace is something that must be protected by truth, right? It, it, grace without truth no longer is grace because you can't grasp it, understand it, or experience it. And in the same way, the female values or drives of the soul are more difficult to experience and understand without the masculine mm. and vice versa. You know, the masculine is difficult to understand without the feminine. The so contrast is important. The contrast is extremely we important. We learn about that a lot in graphic design or videography is if you really want something to really pop and have its full focus, mm -hmm. you have to give something for it to contrast. If all you do is put the same color behind it or the same yeah. things, you don't see it for what it is because it's blending in. But it's when you start in, adding yeah. contrasting colors or you, you put it against a contrasting background of some mm -hmm. sort, that's when you can really go, oh my gosh, I really see the full beauty of this image or this, this artwork or whatever. And so I think... And that's You're why saying it's the same in it's in, very in similar. Our, yeah. And that's genders. why God, when he created Adam, put him in the garden, he said it's not good for him to be alone. You know, there's no corresponding, mm -hmm. there's no contrast to him. So that's the first thing. The second thing the Bible teaches very specifically is that males and females, men and women, fell. Okay. They sinned against God. They became imperfect and in they invited evil into their own lives. They invited evil into the world. And this is called the fall of humanity. By inviting evil in, what they did is they separated themselves from God. It says they were naked and ashamed, so they covered themselves. So what they did is... God had to remove them from his presence because imperfection cannot exist in the presence of perfection. So a person who understood this was Isaiah. And if you go to Isaiah chapter six, where he is brought into the presence of God, you know, the first thing isn't, wow, this is so cool, man. Check this out. He brought in the presence of God and he goes, woe is me for I am mm. a man of unclean lips. So here's the leading spiritual leader of Israel, probably more spiritual and purer than anybody else. And he's scared to death because he's like, I'm going to be toast. Right. I, I can't be in the presence of God. You know, remember when Moses asked if he could see God and God says, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because if you see me, you will cease to exist. Right. So he hides in the cleft of a rock and God walks by, right? And then leaves. And all he sees is like the wake, 
you know, called right. the train of his glory. It's the after effect of his presence. And that in and of itself lights him up so I was much. I say he came down glowing, right? Glowing, like not, yeah. Not the phrase we use today to describe, you know, people when they're like glowing after marriage yeah. or, you know, maybe a, a, a woman during her pregnancy, you're glowing. You're they're, they're saying like he wore a veil over his face, right? Because yeah. he was like emanating light from, from his, his face. face. <laughs> yeah, people couldn't gaze on his visage. But basically, uh, it's important to understand, ladies, that you fell just like, men fell and that uh it plays out differently because Mm. we invited evil into the world we're tainted by sin so now our the desires of our soul as we seek to fulfill them can be uh influenced perverted or tainted right and so if you go to chapter three of the book of genesis you'll see the impact of the taint and it, to the woman, God says, look, you will, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. Okay, in pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So this is a revelatory statement. This is an axiomatic truth. It's a truth that's been revealed to us by God. It exists, okay? Now, that's the easy part. However, Understanding what it means is more difficult because we're not Jews marching across the Negev desert in the wilderness after 400 years of slavery. Right. So, so well, what exactly does it mean? I don't speak Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew is can be pretty vague in a lot of areas. And so unless you're steeped in that culture, you may not understand what he's talking about. So I'm not, I'm not going to give you a full-throated explanation of everything, but here's some basic things that we can take from it. And that is these basic things are going to help you understand ladies on a deeper level, how the taint influences the desires of your soul. One of the implications of this statement from God about females is that you are going to desire things in your soul. These these desires are powerful and strong, uh, and you're going to seek intimate relationships in order to fulfill those desires. You know, uh, many women, you know, want to fall in love and get married. You know, 97% of the human population gets married. doesn't matter what your religion is, what your socioeconomic status is, what continent you were born on. It doesn't matter. So we see this, wow, this is really true. And through uh, parent-child relationships, through family relationships, very, very close friends, women seek to have their soul desires filled by the intimate relationships around them. And I think that's the meaning of your desire shall be for your husband. Okay. So that's really important. So whenever a woman, and I think the conclusion here is that whenever a woman seeks to fulfill the deepest desires of her heart through an intimate relationship with another person, instead of from God, her life moves from enjoyment and fulfillment to disappointment, to uh, insecurity and to control. Mm. So That's really the essence of your nature, ladies, is that when you seek to fulfill the desires of your soul through your intimate relationships, as opposed to your relationship with Christ, you move from contentment, security, fulfillment, enjoyment, to disappointment, insecurity, and sometimes control. 
So that's a really significant thing to understand about your nature. Well, and I think what's interesting is, I mean, you've kind of alluded to this or outright said it in that it's these desires that were innate within us have basically been perverted or they've Correct. been, they've been shifted because of the sin in our lives. Yes. And so what would have been a healthy, like my relationship with God matters first. And then my relationship with my husband, it's now turned into, well, maybe God's not even involved in my relationship right. at all. Which For can, many women, God is not involved yeah, in the relationship. And so then that causes the so many issues and then they don't right. understand why their relationships are falling apart or why they're, um, uncontent with the, with the way that their relationships are, or, you know, things are not working. And so, um, a lot of that comes from that perversion that occurred. Correct. In and in the curse says basically, uh, your desire will be for him, but he shall rule over you. So when relationships are not perfect, when they are tainted by the curse, then the way you resolve conflict tends to be through power and control. Right. You see, it's a, it becomes a power relationship. It's not a loving relationship. And what's really interesting is a curse for men. It says the ground is cursed now because of you. So there's a physical curse on the ground and it says through hard labor, you will eat from it all the days of your life. So he says, okay, now you're the provider, right? And so you're going to have to work really hard to get the world, the earth to provide food. He says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread until you return to the ground, because from the ground you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Mm -hmm. And so what's really interesting about that is men generally find fulfillment in work. You know, they work, and they're driven to work. And so, but if they use work to fulfill the deepest desires of their soul, what happens? They're going to be, yeah, they're messed up. Uncontent and miserable. They're they're incontent and miserable, you know? So I, I think, and I think what's really important there is that when it comes to women is that the Bible is teaching that we, we don't just have a spiritual taint, but there's a physical taint as well. You know, the ground is tainted, right? Mm. And your pain in childbirth is, is increased. So there's a physical manifestation of the taint. Paul references this in Romans where he says that the earth groans as with birth pangs, mm. you know, because the, the evil affects it physically, right? As well right. as spiritually. That's really important to understand. And so, uh, the desire that a woman will have for sexual intimacy or relational intimacy comes from our nature being created in the image of God. So your desire to be sexually intimate with your husband comes from being created in the image of God. And this is seen in the promise that the man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. However, this physiological drive that women have is influenced by the taint, just like it's men and their sex drives are influenced by the taint. And it's important to understand how you're influenced. This helps you understand yourself better. Your drive for sexual intimacy may come from the image of God within you for the purpose of creating life. See, this is one of the things that we are invited by God to be co-creators of life. Where do souls come from, right? They come... They develop in the life of babies, right? Right, And then they become souls. And I mean, that isn't a phenomenal act. We are creating new souls. 
Souls are not pre-existent, floating around out there. God created them. They're just waiting for a physical body to bloop, show up. This, we are with God creating life. Right. You know, and we are populating heaven every time new souls are brought in. So that's a phenomenal thing to think about across the board. And th there's research that shows the power of this physical drive within women. Uh, Rachel Hertza and Michael Inslicht, can I pronounce his name, uh, <laughs> professors at NYU and Brown did a study and they discovered that natural body odor was the greatest influencer on women for attractiveness. Mm. There, there was a co-study, I thought it was really funny, what they did is they took, um, they took 100 college students, right? 50 females and 50 males. And what they did is they took a blood sample of all, all of them and they genetically mapped them. And then they said, okay, computer, you know, who's the best genetic matches if they were to, to produce a child? And so they got this and it was all kind of blind. Then what they did is they told the guys and the gals to um, uh, go and work out in the gym in their gym clothes and sweat and get them all sweaty. And then they threw their, clo their clothes, their gym clothes in bags. And then they would go and they would smell them, right? And what was really interesting is based just on smell, blind smell, they couldn't see what was in the, the box or anything they could just smell is they said, well, this is attractive. This is, I like this smell. I like this smell. And what they're smelling is sweaty gym clothes. Right. And what was fascinating. As someone who used to clean uh, locker rooms in college, that's something else. <laughs> triggering some things. <laughs> inside of you. But what happened is in the study, what it showed ladies is this, is that you subconsciously are driven by these smells. And what happened is the females picked as attractive the the most genetically appropriate match for them mm. without ever meeting the guy so ladies what does this tell you well it tells you that there's a lot of things that are going on that influence your attraction um here's here's another research study shows that single women are attracted to different things depending upon uh, who they meet and who they're around in proximity to their menstrual cycle each month so if you're a single woman and it's really close to your menstrual cycle or you're in it, you're, you're going to be attracted differently to, you're going to find different things attractive uh, from the males around you as opposed to the further away from your cycle that you are. Research shows that when females are put on the pill in their teenage years, if you're put on the pill at 15 or 16 and you've been taking the pill for 10 years, guess what? they have found that what you are attracted to is different. It actually influences and changes your attraction. So, so, okay, what does this mean, ladies? Well, okay, so if my attraction can change even on base physiological influences, how much can I actually trust my attraction radar? Right. You see, well, on some level you have to trust it, but do you want to put all your eggs in that basket? Right. You see that that's something to understand about yourself, ladies, because guess what? Research shows also that what you are attracted to when you are first falling in love and then you first get married is changes after you have what children. So once you have children, then you start to 
uh, are, be attracted to something different in your spouse. And this is where rough water really hits, you know. See, see, if your attraction radar is tainted a little bit, you know, this is what I call the advent of the bad boy, mm. right? Late, some, a lot of girls like the bad boy, you know. But that's actually tainted your, your you know, because how many times, ladies, have you gone out with someone in your past and you thought, oh, this is going to be so fun and exciting, and then you absolutely regret it. You go, boy, that was a train wreck, a dumpster fire, never going to do that again. Well, that's because you can't put all your eggs in your attraction basket because even though being attracted to guys, being wanting to be intimate and, and fall in love and be married comes from your created in the image of God, you have to realize, though, that because human beings invited evil into the world, that physical attraction can be manipulated and tainted. So I'd like to wrap up the, the first part of uh, what the Bible teaches about the nature of women is this. Until you really understand the taint and how it influences you, how it influences how you think, what you're attracted to, guess what? You won't understand how you might be undermining your own close personal relationships. So it doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married until you understand how the taint influences your drives and your feelings and your emotions about your closest and most intimate relationships. Then you'll tend to not be able to recognize what you might be doing that undermines them. So, um, I mean, you've kind of talked about a little bit of some of the practical ways these, these things influence women today, right? These, Correct. these curses we've, we've talked about, um, you know, things might change after you had children about what your attraction is. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we move on to, um, finding out how to not, uh, well, I think there's a couple. Yeah. <laughs> well, my goal and the goal in the biblical teaching, I think, is that women can discover who they really are and be completely fulfilled. Mm. That's the key, you know, to be redeemed by Christ and be fulfilled and live the most joyous, abundant life that you can imagine, because your true self is waiting for you in Jesus. You know, C.S. Lewis said that. And I think one of the things you got to do is just be really aware that what you are attracted to will change over time. Like I said, with children, it, it impacts, you know, once you have children and then once you pass childbearing years, what you're attracted to and your husband is going to change dramatically. Mm. Okay. So just realize that the other thing you have to really understand is on a subconscious level, it's called the principle of hypergamy. And this, the, let me define what hypergamy is. Hypergamy is the concept that a social scientist and psychologist who studied women and attraction and intimate relationships have discovered is that what women do is they are attracted to males that provide a competency, you see, and security and provision. So they have to be competent and, and subconsciously they're drawn towards that. There's also a genetic component. Are they a, a decent genetic match for me? And so you will be attracted to that. But what's interesting is once you find a male, you can subconsciously be driven to attract a male to a male who is more competent mm. and and is a better provider. Okay. And so 
this is why women get crushes. This is why, you know, married women can get a crush or they can, these things happen. And you think, oh, it's just my emotions. Well, no, actually, there's a subconscious drive. It's called hypergamy, and psychologists have really uh, defined it. Case in point, all research across the board shows that women will not be attracted to men who are perceived to be lower on the social hierarchy than themselves. So this is becoming a huge problem at the university level because right now, six out of 10 students at the university are female, 40% are male. So you have this, whoop, you have this drop. Then right. you get into graduate school level stuff, masters and PhDs and stuff like that. It's off the chart female, you know, sometimes 70, 80%. There's a, a gal who wrote a feminist, she got barbecued for this, is she said, ladies, if you don't find a mate in college, you're out of luck. She wrote that because the competition is so bad. But what she was getting at is what this research shows is that the more highly educated you become as a female and the more successful financially you become as a female, what you're doing is you are subconsciously narrowing the field of males that you are attracted to. Mm. You see, you're narrowing that. And what ends up happening, you're, you start competing for a very select group of men. And guess who's figured this out? The Maybe men. <laughs> yeah. Well, the men have figured this out. And so why commit when you have 10 women chasing you? Right. And, and you look at dating apps and all the analytics on dating, dating apps, they say the same thing. 60, 70% of the women on all dating apps go after the top 5 to 8% of the males on the app. Mm. You know, so if you're, you're one of those guys, one out of 10 guys, and you're getting inundated, you know, it just appeals to the baser human drive of a male. Right. right. And so th this is really important to understand, be aware that your attraction to males changes over time and also be aware that you're driven by hypergamy. Okay. And, and so your biggest temptations, your biggest struggles, I think are going to be outflowing from the tainted principle of hypergamy. Okay. You just have to be aware of that and how it influences that. You see, hypergamy influences your satisfaction in your own marriage, because instead of being content with the man you have, you tend to want to think subconsciously that, well, if he were a better man, I would be more happy. Mm. And so then you start to drive the relationship to make him a better man. And you all know where that goes. I mean, I've heard of this. I've yes. heard. <laughs> <laughs> I met my listeners all know. Uh, okay, well, we're getting close to the end of time, but I want to, we've been using Ephesians 4 as kind of a template yes. um, for practical steps. We we went through those steps um, as a general look. We did the men last week. Can we um, rapid fire through them for the ladies really quick as far as how those seven practical steps will apply to the ladies specifically? Yeah, I think, you know, laying aside falsehood and speaking truth to yourself is probably the greatest first step, you know, be honest with yourself. If you're single and you're unhappy with your dating life, why is that really? I mean, get past just the, the bumper sticker stuff. Well, there's not any good men anymore. I can't find a guy or some women, you know, blame it on God. Well, God just hasn't brought the guy into my life yet. Well, okay. Well, really, really? I mean, get it, get down to it. Why are you dissatisfied with it? Do you have expectations and they're not being met? Okay. Why are they unmet? What, what is it about the environment that you're in? That's good. You should invite, you should evaluate that. But also what about you that has these expectations, you know, 
some so i've heard women say well i i guess love just isn't in the cards for me and i'm going well what are you looking for and, you know and they have a list the size of the encyclopedia britannica on requirements and it's just like okay maybe your expectations are unrealistic see i don't know ladies what your situation is all i do know is this if you're unhappy about it you want to find love and you're not then be really honest with yourself if you're married right i think that it's really important to understand that um you have to be honest with why you're unhappy about your marriage you, you really need to understand. Now, what you need to do is you need to define and dis, uh, the difference between abuse and not getting what you want. Mm. And you can't say not getting what I want um, is abuse. Right. All right. You know, abuse is specific. It's highly defined. Now, if you're in a situation with abuse, address it immediately and get out. The other thing, though, is that most of the time, there is an abuse, right? And so you really need to understand and be honest with yourself. Why are you so dissatisfied? Well, maybe your husband isn't as loving and caring and stuff as, as he should be or will be, but also you have to evaluate yourself. And this means you need to deal with your anger and hurt. Unresolved anger is toxic to all of your relationships. And if you're married, you need to practice forgiveness regularly because I'll tell you what, because you define your meaning and value through your relationships, you'll tend to be less forgiving of those who are most intimate with you. You have high expectations of them. Well, guess what? The intimacy will bleed out of that, in, that close relationship if you are angry. You see, this is the number one tactic of the devil. This is why he uses it as a stronghold in your life. It trips you up every time. Hypergamy causes you to compare. You can't help but compare. You compare other husbands, you compare other wives, you compare the way they dress, what their hair looks like, the cars they drive. You compare, you compare, compare. Why do you do that so much? Why can't you stop because of hypergamy? Well, guess what? You need to realize that that's what drives you to do it, and then that will allow you to defeat it with truth. You can become a truth speaker to yourself. You know, uh, I remember Tim Keller in this phrase, he said, stop listening to yourself and start listening to yourself. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. He's defining, and this is what Paul says in 17 through 20. He says, put off the old self and put on the new self. He, he goes on. So, so deal with your anger. Don't let it seep in, you know, use your words. Well, angry woman, women tend to use words really, really poorly. In Proverbs 21.9, it says, it is better to live on the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. In Proverbs 21.19, it says, it is better to live in the desert land than with a contentious and irritating woman. In 27 verse 15, it says, a constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious women are alike. Mm. The writer of Proverbs ain't pulling any punches uh, there, ladies. He was uh he had an opinion, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand that you're gonna say, well, men are just as bad or worse. Yeah, okay, don't compare. I'm just saying if you start with yourself, you can understand yourself, and this is gonna help you discover a more rich and fulfilling, meaningful life. You see, if you have unresolved conflict with your husband, instead of fighting about it. Why not try and understand that he's wired differently than you? When you are in a conflict or in a problem, you want to talk about it. You want to express feelings about it. 
you know, I have heard men say that the four or five most frightening words in the English language are, honey, we need to talk. Mm. He's like, uh, that's like, I, you know, it's too vague. Understand that your man is wired by God differently. He's wired to be solution-oriented, right? Right. So whenever there's a conflict or something, approach it. Use your words well. Start off like this. Say, hmm, honey, we don't seem to be on the same page about this. Fill in the blank. How can we get on the same page together? Well, what you've done is you've just framed it in a way that really appeals to the way God has wired him. Because now what he's thinking is... How can I fix it? And what's really fascinating is if you are around guys who are working on problems, they will readily admit their mistakes. They will readily admit their failures, their ineptitudes or whatever, right? Because they are in a frame of reference to fix the problem. And if they're part of the problem, they immediately admit it and move on. If you don't have that paradigm construct and the guy is just, let's sit around and talk about our deficiencies and stuff like that, or our feelings about them, that then a guy will never admit it. He'll be defensive. You know, he'll try to wheeze a lot of it. Cause what you're doing is you're asking him to play a game. Mm. You're asking him to play the blame game, right? And if you're asking him to play the blame game, you're saying, I'm going to come and tackle you. And so if he's got the ball, what's he going to do? Run. He's going to run. He's going to dodge and weave. He's going to do everything until you tackle him. And so that, so understand how men are wired and use your words. Well, you know, ask questions like, well, how can we resolve this in a win-win for both of us? Oh, okay. We've got to both win. See, these are solution-oriented questions mm-hmm. that frame conversations in a way that are so much more productive. Now, I could keep going on and on and on, but these are just some uh, uh, fast, rapid things that I think ladies can think about using Paul's seven practical steps. If you take those practical steps and you write them out and then start thinking to yourself, how can I apply this to my dating life? I think what you're going to find is you're going to find so much more success in your dating life. If you're married, start to apply them to your husband. And I think you're going to start to find more success and more happiness in that relationship as well. Well, we don't want you guys to miss out on Thursday. Pastor Doug's going to be taking us through how society is undermining women and their relationships, um, whether it's a romantic relationship, parenting, or um, just even work relationships or friends. There's a lot of undermining going around. So we want you to join us on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast to learn more about how you can improve your relationships in your life as Mm -hmm. women. And men, for you, don't tune out. This is important that you understand how the women in your life also are experiencing and what they're going through so that you can better interact with them as well. So make sure you're also tuning in men so that you get a better idea. We are here in beautiful Boise, Idaho, and we'll see you on Thursday. Blessings.